electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be with my friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. August is a tricky month to begin with, and this, this one could be especially tricky. Because the market's getting a little too frothy for my taste. Now, what does frothy really mean beyond some sort of pejorative connotation involving over-enthusiasm? After the day when the Dow gained 71 points, S&P backslid 0.27%, and Nasdaq declined 0.43%. This is something we need to address. First, froth is hard to define. For some, it means stocks and companies that are doing poorly keep going higher and higher, like how Bed Bath & Beyond spiked many times before the business vanished. Those spikes had no substance. They were pure froth, signposts of a market that lacks discipline. Or whenever you get a GameStop situation, a paradigm of its own, where a bunch of home gamers join forces to push up heavily shorted stocks, things can get really, really, really frothy very fast. The stock went from $4 to $400 before falling off a cliff again. People who got in late were obliterated. Now, it's been lasting enmity for my call to sell GameStop at 400. I'm regarded by some as the person who pierced the bogus bubble, for which I must say, I'm very proud. Those are two versions of froth, which, again, is a curse word in this business because froth means lots of people are trying to make money in a completely unsustainable way. If you want to spot froth, you need to keep an eye on the stocks that are soaring and figure out if there's anything real behind those moves or if they're phony. But before we get too negative, maybe it would pay to do a little investigating. Maybe not everything is frothy. Maybe some stocks actually deserve to trade higher. Can you imagine? Hey, maybe many of them do. Well, why don't we do it? Let me, I got an idea. Let's do this. Let's go over the 15 best performers in the Russell 1000 large cap index last month. That was the most robust or frothy of the indices to see which of these moves are froth and which actually have substance so we can draw conclusions about how dangerous this moment really is. Let's start with QuantumScape. 
That was the biggest winner. It was up 66%. This is a battery technology company geared toward electric vehicles. Its stock jumped because they brought in new president from Western Digital. Given that there was no other news, this one feels completely ridiculous to me. Ridiculous. Quantum's case been losing money like crazy for years. Doesn't have any revenue. Stock's got a 22% short position. And the shorts got busted last month. My verdict, sell, sell, sell. Danger zone, Will Robinson. Okay. Fourth, DEFCON 1. Second, Roku. Ah, wait a second. These guys report a dramatic upside surprise because their platforms become indispensable for the big streaming networks. We got that, that number last Thursday evening, and the stock rallied 31 on Friday, ending the month up 50%. Crazy as it sounds, I actually think this move made sense. Roku had been written off as irrelevant. That was clearly wrong. Much better situation than we thought. Might even be worth buying, but I can't recommend it here because this company's losing money hand over fist. Still, Roku's platform is flourishing with consumer packaged goods ads. It's incredible. I'd say here. Third best performer, Western Alliance. Now, here's a bank stock that's plunged from $71 to $26 in a three-day period in March, right after Silicon Valley Bank blew up. Western Alliance was thought to be a goner with deposits fleeing. Turns out they had genuine deposit growth this quarter. Nothing looks even remotely like a bank run. This Phoenix-based, I love the idea of Phoenix, just you know, literally too, a regional bank fooled everyone, including the short sellers who bet against it. I think the stock's 42% rally last month is justified, especially when you remember it's still down huge from its highs. No froth. Same goes for number four, Zion's Bank. That's from Salt Lake City. I can't tell you how many times I heard from people, because they know I've got shows, that this bank was bleeding deposits from the eyeballs. Again, hedge funds bet against it with 11% short position, just like Western Lions, Zion's had actual net inflows. So even though the stock was up 42% last month, I bet it could have more room to run. No froth. Number five, Tandem Diabetics Care. Very tricky. This company just got FDA approval for what they say is the world's smallest durable automated insulin pump. But Tandem's had positive net income only once in the last six years, with its sales for the last three years, hmm, not so hot. Reports this Thursday stock was up 42% last month. Too frothy. Right here. Tandem. No thanks. Coinbase, the sixth best gainer, up 38%, caught a break last month when a federal court ruled that cryptocurrencies sold to individuals are not securities as part of a long-running battle between the SEC and an alpha called Ripple. The ruling gave Coinbase permission to keep doing what it's been doing, which is merchandising a lot of coins. Yesterday, though, another federal judge, Judge Rakoff, powerful guy, said the exact same, said in the exact same court, by the way, said the opposite position in a different case. So this is far from settled. Tough one. Coinbase reports on Thursday, and now I want to wait, even as there is a 23% short position, enough to send the stock to the stratosphere if the numbers are good. Jury's out. Right there. Until yesterday, I would have said that SoFi, the seventh biggest gainer, was up on pure speculation that student loans would come back as a huge business. But it turns out that SoFi took in a tremendous amount of deposits when other banks were seeing deposits flee. SoFi has 6.2 million members now. We interviewed CEO Anthony Noto when the stock was at four bucks not that long ago and asked him point blank if he needed to issue equity if his balance sheet was in trouble. He said unhesitatingly, no. He said business was actually booming. He was right. Bears were wrong. Stock jumped 37% last month. Probably not done. No fraud. So far, the banks that have rallied deserved it. 
But both Pinnacle Financial and Key Corp numbers, 8 and 9, deliver weaker numbers. Weaker. Yeah, as suboptimal deposits. Yet in this environment, with such negativity toward the already downtrodden regional banks, it didn't really matter. Both their stocks rallied 34 and 33 percent respectively last month. Might seem frothy, but in the case of Key, with that 6 percent yield, I think it should be bought. Their stocks just never should have gone where they went to. Can't be frothy. Too cheap. Right here. I think Lyft, L-Y-F-T, number 10, is going up because that is a new management that's committed to making a profit. I like CEO David Risher. He's the late, late of Amazon. And I, I think consumers want more than one ride-sharing company. Uber just reported a profitable quarter. People didn't like it, but it was. Lyft reports next week. After the stock's 33% run last month, some uh, on the backs of the shorts, I'm going to say frothy. Sorry, David. I have to say, call it like I see it. David being a reference to David Risher, who's watching the show, and I have to address that because he's one of our viewers. Number 11, Palantir. This had a terrific quarter. This is a real cybersecurity company with real customers that has real money and has real sales. Even though its stock jumped 29% in July, I bet it actually has more upside. Not frothy, even as it seems to be because you can see in the morning on that thing underneath the TV, it looks like it's always going up. That's what can I do? I think that Palantir is right here. Medium froth. Robinhood, number 12. I believe rallied not because of its new retirement program, which is what some people think, but because high-profile money manager Kathy Wood bought a ton of it before switching and being a seller and blowing out a lot of it yesterday. You know what? I think that'll take the air out of this giant money-losing stock. I was very, very nice there by saying that. And it could give up much of the 29% gain from the last month. Froth. Number 13, New Relic. Got a takeover bid, for heaven's sake. Remember, that's Lou Cerny. It's an anagram. Totally justified its 28% gain, but now it's done. Uber non-froth. I sniffed when I saw Newell, number 14 on the list, rallied 28% in July. As this consumer products company has been a disaster for years and years. But you know what? Its new management was able to generate a huge amount of free cash flow, and it owns some terrific brands, including Sharpies, Calflon, and Rubbermaid. Plus, it's profitable. I think Newell's not frothy and can work its way higher. I can't believe I said that, but I like this management team. Finally, we've got Comerica, a story bank that actually, again, did pretty well on earnings and deposits. It rallied 27% last month, and I bet it has more upside given the fact that it's got innate earnings power and it's got a great brand name. Anti-froth. Amazing. The bottom line, when you look at the biggest winners in the Russell 1000 last month, I am very happy to say that the vast majority of these stocks, aside from QuantumScape and Robinhood, represent real substance. Not just thin gruel froth. Later in the show, we'll document some real froth. But these stocks, I think most are reasonable snapback stories that deserve their July gains. Amazingly, it sure seemed like froth when I went in. But when you go under the hood, it's a lot more grounded than we thought. Ian in Florida, Ian. Hey, Jim, big booyah from Florida. Oh, good to have you, Ian. What's going on? Oh, just living the life. Me too. That's what I said this morning, last night when I was studying at 11 o'clock, when I was looking at different stocks, I said, this is the life that I have chosen. Go ahead. There you go. Investor Club member as well. But. Yes. Jim, I wanted to ask you about um, Netflix. Um, 
What's your thoughts on Netflix? How long? Netflix. I, okay, I think Netflix has got this second tier that they're doing, the ad tier with a little bit of sub. That is so. First of all, I want the Netflix guys to come on because I revere them. And I'm absolutely, and I've got to tell you, I am sick and tired of them not wanting to come on because I like them so much. I think it was a good quarter. I think the stock goes higher. Let's go to Tony in Florida. Tony! Hey, Jim. Tony. Member and will be a club member for life. Yes, I, we are doing so I much for the club. I, you can't. I got an offsite on money. It's forty-two days of club. Forty-two days of club. Just kidding. But hey, good to have you. What's up? And also, is in a world that's so friendly and knowledgeable, and they help us out with everything we need. And I want to thank, thank you. you for that. Oh, thank I want you. To you is um, this company is getting better each um, quarter, and I have a small position. And hopefully, you'll buy a lot of stuff for you. New what do you think about Chewy, if I should add to it? All right, so Chewy, look, I I, I'm going to be this close to home because, you know, we lost Marley. My wife's got another dog coming. We got, you know, we got we got Ragu. This one's going to be Tony from an Alabama kill center. Ragu Tony, get that. And I'm telling her we got to get pictures from Chewy, the new dog. She's saying, listen, we'll just go buy the usual food. I am a big believer in Chewy, and so has Ben Stoto, who has a dog by the name of Riggins, but he always says, leave Riggins out of it. So I like Chewy. Ed in New York, Ed. Hey, Jim. It's Ed in Northport. I was wondering what's going on with J&J and the spinoff of okay, Canview. Okay, so Canview is now, look, they're, you, it's a really interesting split off where they're going to have a big buyback that comes from Canview. Uh, but the problem with J&J, as I said yesterday, is not J&J. It's one of my absolute favorite companies in the world. The problem is the plaintiff's bar and their inability to be able to settle to make it so that the people who are most needy get the money and everybody can move on. So one of the great American companies has left the portfolio and it drives me crazy because I really think J&J is fantastic. Trey in Texas. Trey. Jim, in an effort to break my dangerous habit of texting and driving, I bought a motorcycle. You did? Additionally. Do you wear a helmet? Do you wear a helmet? I certainly do, Jim. Okay, then you're cool. Let's go ahead. I just wanted to let you know I'm currently forming a retirement-focused bike club, the Sons of 401. Talk the to Sons us about of 401. Davidson. Holy cow. How do you like that? Now, um, I think the 401 should not put Harley Davidson, well, you know, IRA. I would not recommend Harley Davidson. I'll tell you why. Because it's episodic, and I don't like episodic stocks. I like secular growth stocks. And unfortunately, Harley doesn't have it. So I'm going to have to say no to that. By the way, Ed, club member, unbelievable. Tony, club member. These guys understand that all I do is work for the club. Someone's trying to tell me I have to go faster. I'm sick of it. Anyway, I think most of these stocks, uh, these stories are actually reasonable. Reasonable snapbacks. Deserving. It's not really frothy. I'm not kidding. It's not. All right. Uh, we have money tonight. What do we have? We have Rockwell Automation. Now, that stock fell awfully today. If you're missing quarterly expectations, we got to get to the bottom of what happened there. And then we are continuing Shark Week. Where the heck is my shark, for heaven's sake? Shark Week. And we are going to be with Fib Queen. She's, the old, she's finally coming here to the studio. You do not want to miss it because Shark Week continues on Mad Money. And don't forget Pinterest. They report after the bell. What can we glean from the social media company report? I'm running the numbers with the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. All right, what the heck just happened to Rockwell Automation, the maker of industrial automation machinery and software? Now this team been worn for most of the year. Then it collapsed today, plunging more than 7% in the wake of a widely panned quarter. Now, this one's tough. Rockwell Automation seemed like it was rallying because of real, tangible, secular growth themes, like the push toward reshoring after the supply chain crisis during the pandemic, semiconductor build-out, automobile batteries. When the company reported, though, they delivered an out-and-out miss, disappointing revenue, disappointing earnings, disappointing free cash flow. Imagine even lowered its full-year forecast for new order growth and bookings. But... And this is a huge but. Rockwell Automation actually raises full-year sales earnings guidance. That's a rare miss and raise quarter. The problem, one of their key distribution centers was offline for longer than expected. The company struggled to upgrade its capacity. Not exactly the end of the world. So could this be a buying opportunity or was it just a wobbly quarter red flag here? Let's check in with Blake Barrett. He's the chairman and CEO of Rockwell Automation. Get a better reader of the results and what he sees going forward. Mr. Barrett, welcome back to Bad Money. Thanks. It's good to be here. All right, so Blake, it's pretty clear uh, if you dig deep and go under the hood that there was something that occurred within the company that was one time only that made it so that you did not cut your uh, estimates, but actually raised them. So maybe you can explain to people because this could be a pretty big opportunity. Sure. Well, over the last year, we've been looking at all parts of our operations to look at how we increase the capacity to handle the current and the future expected growth. So it started with 
redesigning our products to be more resilient uh, so that uh, we made sure that we would have the component supply needed. It was adding equipment in our factories. And this latest move was to add capacity in our U.S. distribution center. And while we factored in some time for the move, it lasted a little bit longer than we expected in May. The shipments have since recovered in June and in July, but that shifted some of our business, some of our revenue from Q3 into our fiscal year quarter four. So I want to be sure there were no cancellations. There was no, no pushouts. Nobody's saying, you know what, we don't need these plants. Instead, it was just happening to be this changeover. No, the underlying demand remains strong. Um, you know, we're still guiding to 15% organic growth for the year in terms of shipments. And we took steps during the call today to talk about the strong setup for fiscal year 24 in terms of orders continuing at a high level of between eight and a half to $9 billion plus backlog that's expected to be with us at the end of our fiscal year of between four and a half to $5 billion. Now, some of these businesses uh, I think that people should be aware of are amazing. For instance, uh, Semiconductor up high, high teens. Tell us about that, because I think that you're really in, in the uh, at the center of what we know is the big build out in this country, but we can't do it without you. Now, there's, a, there's a lot of industries that we look at that are in the middle of and maybe even in early innings of generational high levels of investment. So plenty of objective evidence that for electric vehicles and for batteries and for semiconductor, we're looking whether it's to increase capacity and new technologies or it's to reduce geopolitical risk, um, that we're gonna see investment continue on a multi-year period in these areas. And semiconductor is a great example of that as we're providing the facilities management systems for these new fabs, the wafer transport, motion control, cybersecurity assessments and remediation. There's a lot of opportunity there. Okay, so tell me, when I, I look at what's going on around the world and I see that we're trying so hard to be able to automate, I keep thinking what Taiwan Semi told me, which is, America doesn't have enough people to do the things that we that they used to do. They don't have enough engineers. They don't have enough people who know how to build things. Uh, where are we? Are we just kind of just been left behind because of our decision to go service and not industrial in this country? I think we're waking up to the fact that it's so critically important to have that skilled workforce in the plants to utilize the technology. The technology means nothing without the workforce, an enabled and engaged workforce who's comfortable with the technology. And those two things working together are gonna to give us the opportunity to compete and win in semiconductor and in all these other industries. But who's gonna do it? I mean, we, look, we have a terrific se Secretary of Commerce, but you can't put everybody to school, Blake. I mean, you have more business than you can handle. You have to find people. You're competing against other companies that have to do the same thing. We don't have that pool of talent to make it so that you can just pick and choose. I think we have to widen the aperture and to make sure that companies recognize that it doesn't necessarily require a four-year degree to be able to excel in these technician-level jobs. I mean, we've talked before on this show 
about our Academy of Advanced Manufacturing, where we take returning service people and in a 12-week hands-on program, equip them with the skills to thrive and to help these companies compete and win. And that's just one example. Now, uh, last question I have is that when I met with uh, Jensen Wine, I, I've been telling people, please don't bring up AI unless it's for real. But uh, NVIDIA is telling me that they can do digital twin factories, literally create a factory that is a factory before it's real and save a lot of time and cut a lot of waste. Have you seen these digital twin factories? Yeah, we, we're just scratching the surface on some of the positive uses of AI. And in fact, we work with NVIDIA as we look at their industrial metaverse to be able to combine our simulation tools for factory equipment and to put it in the larger context of an overall factory. We're doing it with solar panel fabrication facilities. And I think that this is going to be a useful technology to help bring to the left, if you will, the commissioning time to get this new capability online faster. Well, look, I'm glad we went over the, the that was not a rare miss. There was a changeover, and therefore there's the hiccup that makes it so that when a stock goes down like this, high-quality company, you can buy it. I want to thank Blake Barretti. He's the chairman and CEO of Rock Automation. Okay, Blake, it's always good to have you on this show. Thank you for explaining everything. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Absolutely. May have money back after the break. Coming up, beware the deep end. The charts bite back. Check into Chart Week when we return. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. more fun this week than usual. Welcome back to Chart Week here on Mad Money. Every night we're checking in with some of our favorite technical analysts who join us live to help us interpret the charts. Tonight we're going to Carolyn Baroden. She's the brilliant technician who runs a trading room at ElliottWaveTrader.net, also teaches her methodology at IM.academy. You can also find her on Twitter, not Twitter, X at Queen of Fibs, and this is a fantastic book by her, okay? So if you want to know more about the kind of thinking that she does. Now, for those who don't remember, Broden's a big believer in Fibonacci time and price cycles. She then looks at past swings, then runs them through the prism of Fibonacci ratios to identify key price levels or, or key dates where security is more likely to change course. I'm always surprised at how well it works, and boy, does it ever work. Tonight, we're going to hear about one of her favorite setups. It's called the Royal Setup, and this is going to really help you understand how she thinks so that you can be doing a lot of this at home. Callan, it is so great. It's been way too long. Welcome back That's to Bad right. Buddy. Thank you so much. You're such a pro. I'm just going to give you the chart. We go right to work. Okay. All right. Well, I am going to talk about the royal setup. But before I go into that, I do want to remind everybody about the Fibonacci price clusters, which is another great setup. This is an example in Bitcoin. This is a daily chart. This is basically where I had multiple price relationships. We had a low to high 618 retracement, another low to high 
1618 extension, and then also a 100% projection of a prior high to low swing projected from another high. Okay, they were very similar because this swing was 59.88, this swing was 59.50. Now, besides that, we also had some timing. Okay, mm-hmm. simple timing, but time symmetry because this high to low was 16 bars down. And so was this high to low, 16 So that's down. what we're looking for, similar patterns, which then trigger for you. Right. Time and price coming together. Got and in this, both. Yeah. In this case, we had a price cluster that came in at 18987 to 19261 okay, from those three price relationships. It hit, it held, it triggered, and it rallied over $11,000 within the next month. Okay. So there you can see both time and price using our work. Major home run in Bitcoin. Next. Yeah, next. Okay, so this is a daily chart of JP Morgan, and this is an example of what I call a royal setup. So a royal setup basically has all the daily moving averages on the right side. So, for example, it has price above the 200 simple moving average, price above the 50 simple moving average, and then I also use a 513 EMA combo. And with the five being above the 13, that is also bullish. So basically, when we see that, what we look for is either a symmetrical pullback or price cluster. And in this case, we ended up having um, a couple of levels between 141.08 to 141.39. It hit the zone, it held the zone, and again, we wait. Yeah, we wait for buy triggers. But we ended up seeing a nice, healthy rally that was that area. terrific call. Now, you also saw an example of a royal setup in the price of a company that's about to report this week. This is Amazon, but it's historical. So help us here. OK, um, so again, take a look at where we are relative to the moving averages when you hit the actual zone. What I ended up seeing was a cluster that came from a symmetry projection of prior swings. We also had an extension uh, 1618 one, extension, uh, retracement, and I think one more uh, pro- projection. The cluster came in at um, 124.92 to 125.08. It hit, it held, again, it triggered. But, it, but again, Carolyn, just so you know, this is not suggesting that you should buy Amazon ahead of this quarter or anything like that. No, no, no. This, this is, is historical. These are, yeah past examples to understand how to look at it in the future. Okay, well, why don't we have another daily chart of Amazon that shows you what you're looking for in terms of buy triggers. That could help us. Well, actually, in this case, what I wanted to show that there was also timing at the same time that we hit that key price area. And one of the things that I look at, again, I look at um, symmetry, but symmetry and time. So notice that a lot of these prior declines were three to five trading days. So that was included in the timing besides three other cycles that came together between the 10th through the 11th. And I believe the actual low was made on the 10th. And again, nice rally off of that area. Incredible. And now to broaden things out, this doesn't apply to just stocks. Averages have been doing well, too. Finally, we had a chart of the Spider S&P 500 ETF that you spotted a royal setup in. Can you explain that to us? Okay. so same thing. I love that the fact that we're above the 200 simple moving average. So do you start with that, though? Is that how you begin? Yeah, I mean, you can, yeah, you can look at all of the charts that have, okay. you know, the, the averages in the right place. Right. And then you look for a pullback and you'll probably have a royal setup. So you had these. They're so similar. Yeah. And we don't know why. Again, we don't know why, but they are similar. 
they, they just tend to be. You'll, you'll see it on many, many charts. And I've, how often do you want to see, I mean, if you only saw three of these, would it mean that you don't want to go there? No, if I only see one of them, it's still good as far as I'm concerned. I mean, really? it, it works that way. So, and in general, I mean, and what are the other ones, things that are just intriguing you now that we should all be looking at that you think are, you know, because um, what I do is I usually send her an email saying, what are you looking at? What are you talking about? Well, actually, some of the some of the uh, markets that are still in the position for royal setups would be like Apple, NVIDIA, Amazon and I think Google. Really? So there, there's still quite a few. So I just keep on setting up the pullbacks until it doesn't work anymore. Well, look, I love what you do. Uh, the book is Fibonacci Trade, if you want to understand it better. Uh, you, we've been together for many, many years. Yes. And you have been, let's, uh, here's the way I always like to put it, far more right than wrong, which is all thank you can you. ask for. Alan Broden, thank you so much for coming back to Mad Money. Stick with Craig. Coming up, pin for the win. Earnings for this social media stock are in. See if it's a pretty picture next. If we've learned one thing this earnings season, is that the digital advertising business is making a huge comeback. That's the message from that platforms and Alphabet. And now Pinterest, the virtual pinboard slash social networking site. Tonight, Pinterest reported a solid revenue beat and a huge nine cent earnings beat off a 12 cent basis. Great quarter. But stock was all over the place in after hours trading. I think maybe because it's run so much, things up more than 40% from its early May lows going into today's close, meaning many of the positives here, maybe they were baked in. My view, I wouldn't be surprised if it's got more room to run thanks to management's turnaround efforts spurred on by some very aggressive activist investors, don't forget. Don't take it from me. Let's dig d- deeper with Bill Reddy. He is the CEO of Pinterest to learn more. Mr. Reddy, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. Right, so, Bill, I've decided that if you're going to reach Gen Z, which nobody's been able to, the place to get them is, to, is in Pinterest. And how's that working? And how come they love you so much? And are they doing any shopping on your site? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, yeah, we, you know, we we're really pleased with our results this quarter, uh, coming in better than what we had guided on top line, bottom line. Uh, and users uh, and getting back to margin expansion. But most noteworthy, it was our best user growth quarter in uh, more than two years. And when you decompose that, you asked about Gen Z. Gen Z is our fastest growing cohort, and they're engaging more deeply than prior cohorts. So we're really winning with Gen Z. And then particularly to your point on shopping, shopping is working on Pinterest. This is one of the big things when I came in a year ago is more than half the users on Pinterest say that they're to shop, but the actionability on Pinterest was low. As we're bringing that shoppable content onto Pinterest, we're finding this really driving great engagement. Uh, we shared on the call 50% plus year-on-year improvement in engagement with shoppable content as we're bringing that shopping onto our main surfaces. And that accelerated quarter-on-quarter quarter from 35% uh, last quarter. So we really feel good about the user growth, the deepening engagement, and getting more inspiration to actionability, which is great for users and great for advertisers. Well, okay, Bill, I actually said something this morning in Squawk of the Street. I said, I don't want anyone to talk about AI unless it's for real. I actually think that your recommendations are working and they are actually resonating with your with your users and they're taking advantage of them. Uh, it's it pretty seamlessly better than almost every other site I know. Uh, thanks, Jim. Yeah, we are feeling really great about the progress we're making uh, on NextGen AI. Uh, nearly a year ago, we started going deep into NextGen AI for uh, relevancy. 
uh, moving from CPUs to GPUs and getting to recommender models that were a hundred times larger than what we had been using the year before. And that resulted in a 10% lift in perceived relevancy by users, uh, getting to 94%, which in the world of you know, search and discovery is just unheard of. Uh, so we're seeing great uh, uh, progress there on the organic engagement side. And now we're bringing that to our ads platform where now our ads models are a hundred times larger than they were uh, a year ago. And that's leading to really fantastic benefit in click-through rates uh, and return on ad spend for advertisers. Now, I, I usually don't like to be too, uh, I like to be empirical, not anecdotal, but I was talking to my daughter today, happened to be on your site. And she's a, a Parsons graduate, really understands a lot of, of, of fashion. And, and she's genteel though, doesn't want combat. And I, I, we were describing about the fact that Letter X, formerly Twitter, is about combat. You're not about combat. Isn't that going to be to your advantage ultimately that people want a genteel, kinder place to go? Well, I'd say you know, there's a couple of things that are really unique about Pinterest versus the rest of social media. The first is that most of social media has the user in an entertainment mode, whether it's looking for news or funny dance videos or pictures of friends. On Pinterest, more than half the users are here to shop. So they come with commercial intent and they're in a lean forward mode. So that is fundamentally different than much of the rest of social media. But a second thing that you were touching on uh, that has been a big focus for us is that we want Pinterest to be a more positive place online. And we are we are investing heavily in making sure that uh, we are doing things that lead to better emotional well-being outcomes for users. Uh, we launched recently at CAN um, uh, with the Digital Wellness Lab, uh, our Inspired Internet Pledge, saying that we're committed to making sure that we're using AI in a way that's going to help users come away from our platform with better emotional well-being outcomes. And we're seeing really good progress there. And it's resonating with users and it resonates with advertisers. Advertisers want to be in a brand safe space. Uh, advertisers build their business on positivity and we're a positive platform. And so both those things, the commerciality and the positivity really cutting through with our users and uh, our advertisers. Amen. Now I'm looking at your European numbers. I got to tell you, Bill, maybe it's awareness. I don't know, but you got to bring them up because if you bring them up, it's blowout for you. Is it possible to do it? Yeah, it's a great point, Jim. You know, we have uh, approximately 80% of our users outside the U.S., um, but only roughly 20% of our, our, our revenue, um, give or take. And so, you know, we've been under monetized across the board. And as we're leaning into that monetization, we've been able to grow our monetizable supply on our platform 30% plus year on year, even while driving engagement up. So I think that's really encouraging for the platforms going overall and our ability to lift monetization across the board. But as we look into international markets, those are growing faster than the U.S. markets, but we're really early on there, and there's a lot more runway to go. Right, no, but we still use you uh, looking, I was doing a planning for travel, uh, looked all around Pinterest, and then I still left your site, candidly, uh, to buy. Uh, when, when, when will it be so natural that I would never think to do that? Uh, well, we're making good progress there. And I think you know, one of the things you touched on is that you know, we've been really focused on shopping as a vertical over the course of the last year and made fantastic progress there with things like mobile deep linking that take you straight into the buying experience of the retailer with really high conversion rates. But we've expanded that technology more recently into other categories like travel. And so we just launched our, our travel catalog built on our shopping catalog technology. And that's helping users not just dream of where they want to travel, but actually see things like hotel listings and the ability to go 
click and book, uh, knowing you know the availability and the pricing and those things right on our platform with a really seamless connection to the travel provider where they're, they're going to satisfy that intent. So the shopping efforts are great in terms of how much more we can do in shopping, but they also really work for inspiration to action across other verticals and other categories on our platform. So a lot of runway to go there. All right, well, in this thing, I need a better recipe than Jim's None Better Pickles. I stole it right from you guys. I need something spicier and less sweet. You gonna give me some good pickle recipes? Absolutely. I think, again, you know, we talked about uh, next-gen AI uh, and those, recommend- those recommendation models being 100 times larger. It's exactly those kinds of things that we can do more of. And where, you know, as we, as we think about where next-gen AI goes, you know, AI is only as good as the signal upon which right. it's acting. Right. And on Pinterest, people curate on Pinterest. And so we get really unique signal, not just about what people are looking for or searching for, but how they're putting together great outfits or how they're putting together great recipes. Uh, and so that's letting us make more and more powerful recommendations with this technology that's broadly applicable, but we have really unique signal uh, uh, to apply to that technology. All right. Well, I'm counting on you. I know it's a great quarter. You're doing fantastic work. So glad of all the things you're doing. It's such an exciting site. Bill Reddy is the CEO of Pinterest. Congratulations on a good number. Thank you, Jim. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. It is time. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? The lightning round is over with Paul in matches. Paul. Speak to me, Paul. Jim, I'm Paul. in Verizon. I got it in the mid-50s. I feel like I should have got out when Buffett got out. Bought it for the dividend. I'm still hanging on to it. Uh, that, I think that was a mistake. However, should I go in? Oh, okay, go in Paul, let me take money? it over for you. Here's the problem, Paul. The fact is, is that we don't want to buy a stock just for its dividend, but if it's not growing... Verizon, to me, has lost its way. I don't think its management is very crisp anymore. And I don't care where you bought it. I care where it's going. And I think it's going nowhere. Steve in Missouri. Steve. Booyah, Jim. Thanks Booyah, for taking Steve. my call. Oh, I've you're been, welcome. I've been watching you uh, since 2015, and I thank you very much for helping me retire early. That's the my game. Question. That's the game. That right. and the club. I love it. Let's go to work together. I bought 9,000 shares of PacWest back in March at the low and have been doing pretty good. You were right about buying it, but now that Bank of California is going to take them over, should I sell all? Ka-ching, ka-ching, and congratulations. You are, my friend, a visionary. Steve Missouri, he showed us Richard in New York. Richard! Jimmy Kill, master of the market. Thank you. Chill man here. What's up? Good. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Thank you kindly. I'm a total fan of all that you do. Uh, us investors are blessed to receive your guidance and advice, and, and I thank you kindly. You made it. You made it. Me retire. Man, I just feel great. I was miserable a few moments ago. Now I feel fantastic. King, what's up? Stop. Maybe. That's it. All right, take a compliment. Hey, never look a gift horse in the mouth. Let's go to Dolan in Rhode Island. Dolan. Hi, Jim. I'm Dolan's mom. Here's a question. Here he is. Okay. Jim, booyah. My question booyah. is about Patriot with their hydrogen engine with that they're partnering with Toyota. Should I invest in the stock or just leave it alone? And which stock is that? Pat? 
Packard? Packard's fabulous. You don't need that engine. Packard's just a great American company that is not giving it. I, I'm going to give him a twofer. I'm giving him two because he's a younger fella. I'm going to give him Packard and Cummins. That's right. That's two. I would have given him Cat, but it's already up too much. How about Jamie in Michigan? Jamie. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? Appreciate all your advice and your knowledge, as always. Um, well, okay. My question today is about a stock that tends to be a little more seasonal, but with everyone remodeling instead of moving more, instead it seems to be the trend in the country. I was wondering what your thoughts on U-Haul might be. For well, the I have through U-Haul. That means I got to rely on the tremendous Larry Williams. This is, this is a stock to own. It's very inexpensive stock. I think you're absolutely right. I like everything you said about it. And I will add to it the fact that I think it is unheralded and is going higher, even though it's already up 30% for the year. Oh, boy, are we ever not done? Because we're going to Steve in New York. Steve! Hey, how, how's it going there, Mr. Kramer? Steve, it's pretty good, frankly. It's pretty good. It's, been a, it's, a, it's a dry August so far. What's up? Yeah, well, I, um, I've been holding BP for a couple of years, and uh, I'm doing okay with it. And uh, with everything that's going on with the earnings and everything, like uh, this morning, yeah. uh, would, you, would you rate it? I thought the earnings were yawner. I do not buy stocks to yawn. I read my books to yawn. I don't buy stocks to yawn. I don't think there's anything there that is exciting to me. I say ex-nay, BP-nay. Let's go to Lori in Massachusetts. Lori. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. My I'm pleasure. I'm calling about a company that develops and manufactures touchless security screening and weapons detector systems. Right now, they are in large arenas from SoFi Stadium on the West Coast, on the East Coast. Okay. In between other industries, consists of schools, healthcare, casinos, amusement parks. They're everywhere, and they appear to be breaking out. They're approaching a $1 billion and I want to know what your thoughts are on Evolve Technology. You know, it's funny. I was doing the work on Lidos, L-D-O-S. And I have to tell you, I actually like it. I prefer it to yours. I thought Lidos had a great quarter. But you've got a good one, too. But Lidos, L-D-O-S is my favorite. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, it seals freshness. Can it help seal your financial future? Kramer takes on Tupperware next. If you can wade through all the notices of material weakness and all the going concern doubts, you might find that there's something good to say about Tupperware, the kitchen container company. I don't know if you've been watching the stock, which has moved from 61 cents to $5.38 in less than two weeks, seemingly escaping the jaws of bankruptcy. But this has become the latest meme stock in a long line that includes Bed Bath & Beyond, GameStop, and AMC. Before I go into what's happening here, I want you to understand that Tupperware, the stock, no longer really has anything to do with Tupperware, the company. Eh, The stock might be worthless. But you could say the same thing about the Mega Millions tickets that you have in your hand. Who am I to say that you shouldn't buy a lottery ticket? Who am I to say that you shouldn't buy the stock that purports to represent the future of Tupperware's earnings or lack thereof? Obviously, people are going to speculate. They're speculating like mad here. Nearly 150 million shares changed hands today. But Tupperware only has 44 million shares outstanding. There's the tell. We call these controlled situations right here because the stock's controlled by the memesters, not by the fundamentals. Until the memesters got involved, it seemed like Tupperware was a corner. Too much debt owed, too many misfilings, too many financial weaknesses. And for certain, too much mismanagement. In the old days, this company would have been delisted by now. Instead, it gets a notice delisting and it's still allowed to trade. Now, here's where it gets interesting. 
We know that Tupperware is actually profitable on some sort of basis, but it owes a lot of money to, and management explained in myriad filings, that they might not have the money to meet those obligations. Before the memesters, that was a death sentence. With the memesters, they see a low dollar stock, regardless of its origins, and they decide to run it and gun it and see if it sticks. If the meansters can push the stock high enough, then the story suddenly becomes a good one because the company, if it is in good standing with the regulators, can issue more shares to raise much-needed cash. Then instead of a vicious cycle down where the stock becomes a footnote and no new money can come in because the debt market will be closed to them, it becomes a virtuous circle upward where they can create new shares and sell them to the memesters to raise capital like AMC and GameStop did. Can this happen? I used to have uh, the CEO of Tupperware, Rick Goings, on the show not infrequently. That was about eight years ago when the company was still extremely profitable and very well run. Since then, it's been bedeviled by some real bad management. As contrary as it seems, Tupperware said it's going to get its financials ready this month. If Tupperware can do that and the memesters stay in pump mode and management does some kind of secondary offering, call it dump mode, this company should be able to live to play again. Then the question is, which kind of situation do you have? Is it an AMC, which hangs on and pays its debt? Is it a GameStop, which has a morbid business and a turnstile management team? Or is it a Bed Bath & Beyond, which only bought itself a little more time before going under? My bet is simple. If they get the filings in time, if they sell enough stock to pay down enough debt to be in compliance, and then they call Rick Going, 77 years young, to take over again, they can save the thing. There. That's your mega millions lottery ticket. The odds don't favor it, though. The odds still favor bankruptcy. But if anybody's listening in Tupperware, I just gave you a game plan to save what was, for decades, an amazing, empowering company that gave millions of women a tremendous livelihood and financial security. Would be a shame to see it all fall apart. Would be great if the memesters could keep it alive until the cavalry comes. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise trying to find it just for your regular man money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Kramer on this podcast are solely Kramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Kramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Kramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Kramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.